0: So we've spoken today a bit about boredom or about the desert, which can be a call to be poor before the God who is rich, who is everything. And then we've talked a little bit about the temptation or distraction that can come into that to flee away from the emptiness or from the, the desert place. And rather instead the call to choose. To be there with the Father and receive whatever it is He wants to give us, however He wants to give it. And the last, um, the last talk is a little bit about anxiety, which is a little bit different um, from the other two. When we talked about boredom or the desert um, and distraction, it was more about a lack of something. Somehow, there's an emptiness. But anxiety is provoked normally not by a lack, but by something we perceive at least as a threat, something we're afraid of usually. Or fear leads to anxiety. It's an actively negative thing, not just missing something, but something that might cause us to lose something that we love or to suffer in some way. I think, you know, I was talking to, I've talked to to everybody about the quarantine in the last, like, month and a half because it's all people talk about um but you know there are some people who i've spoken to and they they've told me wow this is my life so much better because of this you know all these things that i had i don't have to do anymore and i didn't realize how much of a burden they were until they were taken away others it's the exact opposite their life became much harder a lot more you know things on their plate Uh, maybe if they're in a certain field that puts them at risk whatever or if they themselves are at a certain uh, more at risk than the average person due to the virus, um, their, their life may have become, um, worse. I think the, the universal factor though, whether or not quarantine made, you know, the virus made your life better or worse is that there's some on some level for everybody, a level of anxiety in the sense that uh, we're all, everyone in the world is all of a sudden living in, on some level in the unpredictable or the unknown. You know, even if you might not personally be afraid of catching it because you're young and healthy and have no underlying conditions or whatever, there are probably people you love who are at risk or there's this thing called the economy that no one can really control exactly. And none of us have the power to make decisions about how that goes. Um, And maybe, maybe more than anything, nobody knows how long this is going to go for or how we get out of it exactly. You know, there's obviously, you know, every fourth news article is about that, but um, but no one knows really. At the end of the day, no one knows um, what it's going to look like three three months from now or what it's going to cost or what the decisions will be and what the, the cost of those decisions will be. So it's it's unknown. And all the things that we relied on, the things, you know, um, that causes anxiety because it, the, the world became unpredictable and you can predict things and you know how things react or how things go you can then base your actions upon that and um, do what will serve you best or serve your family best but when it's unpredictable all of a sudden um it's it's hard to tell or it's hard to tell how much it's going to cost or what the cost will be so i think um I think the experience of anxiety is is one that is real and kind of universal, Um, and it makes sense. So, you know, the question is what to do with that in relation to God and in prayer, especially. I'm going to read from from the Gospel of Matthew again. This is chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We all know this um, part of Jesus's story. It's his agony in the garden. And perhaps it's obvious why I read it, given the topic of the talk, but I think it's maybe encouraging to see that anxiety is not foreign to Jesus. Now, he's obviously um, troubled. He says, Jesus was troubled. Uh, we know why he was about to suffer. Um, about to give everything in a way that would be painful, and and so he he's troubled. Even in Luke's gospel, we all know that um, it says he was so troubled that um, he sweat blood, which is a medical condition that happens when anxiety is so high that that has physiological consequences. So on the one hand, Jesus is he he has experienced. Anxiety. And yet, on the other hand, we all know too that, like, maybe the most constant theme in the Gospels is do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not worry about tomorrow. And Jesus says, do not be afraid uh, dozens, if not hundreds of times, to his disciples every time they get freaked out. So, how exactly are we supposed to navigate this, um, these two realities? You know, watching Jesus be anxious and yet listening to him to tell us to not to be. And if the answer is to watch what Jesus does when he's anxious or when he's troubled. Because what he does is he prays. He goes to the garden and he goes by himself. He takes his three closest disciples. And he says, watch with me. And then he goes and he goes to his father and, you know, being uh, threatened with his life. And he, he opens his heart and, and, and shares it completely with his father. Father, this troubles me. Father, I'd rather not do this. Father, this is hard. Father, if it's possible, I'd like this to change the way that my Path seems to be going. But because I know you're my father, because I've spent my whole human life as your son, praying, exercising the muscle of desire and faith. But even though this makes me anxious, not my will, but your will be done. I trust that you can take care of me. It's only through prayer both the prayer we see here for Jesus, but it's through our own act of prayer that we move from being um, dominated by anxiety to able to uh, walk with the Father through whatever might come. Jesus shows us the way. In fact, many of the church fathers, so we often think if, if I asked, you know, people, okay, when did Jesus save us? They would say he, when he died on the cross, and that's fine, that's true. Um, but there are several church fathers actually who say that it's actually in Gethsemane that salvation happened. Because it's at that moment that Jesus um, really undoes the, um, the ancient turning away from God and turns back to him in the face of the ultimate threat. And then he carries it out on the cross. But it's in this moment that he, he in the ultimate way, leans into it, not my will but your will be done. And I like, I chose Matthew in particular because he, he goes and he prays three times. It's not like he does it once and then, good, I'm glad I got that prayer done. Now let's go down the cross. He, he goes back and he goes back. He returns to his father. And then, of course, at the end of the story... What he shows us, what he proves to us through his resurrection, we're in the Easter season, is that because he placed his entire existence in the hands of his Father, even in the midst of the worst evil, an evil which took away everything, his his own life. Um, God gave him back it all and more. You know, the whole point of the resurrection is to prove to the disciples of Jesus that we can really trust our Father and that nothing will be lost and that even if we were to lose our lives for Him, um, that is not the end. In fact, the call is to give our lives to Him so that we might receive it back in a way that's new in the face of whatever threat we might um, have, whether big or small, whatever causes us anxiety, big or small. You know, St. Paul says this in a different way in the letter to the Romans. If God is for us, if God is our father, what can be against us? What can stop him? Nothing. So um, just maybe a thought about practically what this looks like in praying in like a basic way. You might notice that... um, Jesus might tell you, do not be afraid or do not be anxious. And then you still are. I don't know if you've had that happen and you can't just be like, Oh, now I will stop it. Like it doesn't work like that, which means it's actually a very good thing to notice and good to understand that Jesus is not commanding you to make an act of will, which changes your emotional state that cause you can't. Um, which means what, if you can't change it, someone else has to, if it needs to be changed. And the one who's going to change it is God. And the only way he can change it is if you let him in there and letting him in there means acknowledging that it's there, whatever it is. And, and inviting him in and inviting him to be God inside of you. So, so uh, praying through anxiety or with anxiety doesn't mean stopping, feeling anxious. It means, admitting that you feel anxious with God and inviting him in. That's true with any sort of thing that needs to be changed within you uh, when it comes to God changing it. It never is. um, I have to fix myself so that God likes me. It's God already likes you or loves you. And so I have to let him fix me or change me. It's always backwards. And that's hard because then it's on his time and his way, all the other stuff we talked about. It might seem like we're not making progress, et cetera, et cetera. But the only thing we really can do is, is come to the Father and say, Father, if this could pass, please let it pass. So the first thing is to acknowledge it and to not assume that what God is asking is to stop feeling it by an act of will, but rather to invite him in there. The second thing is to to know, uh, actually, Father Scott Trainer mentioned this in his own talk in a little bit different way that we heard at lunch Um, to know that when we have fear or, or any kind of wound or suffering, there are only two options that are going to happen at the end of the day. And we come back to God until one of these two things happens. One is he, he, he either heals it or takes it away. And it's he that does it, not us. And then it's gone. Or he is in it with us to the point that we're grateful for, um, we're almost to the point that we're grateful for the very thing that has led us to him, so that we're with him in it. You know, what, what happens with Jesus on the cross, the father doesn't take away the cup. He didn't go that option. But he must have been with his son through it throughout it so that Jesus could remain faithful even until death. That is, um, that's kind of a scary thought, perhaps that God might let us, um, suffer. I mean, he let his own only begotten son, but the, the good news and maybe the mysterious thing about it, the the thing that's almost, it's, it's almost hard to put it into words, um, but maybe you've experienced this, is the kind of beauty that comes when we allow, when, when we find God in the middle of suffering in a way that we're like, I'm, I don't, I'm glad you didn't take that away. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but, but that is the other option. God either heals us or he's with us in, in the struggle in a way that we're grateful for at the end. And of course, at the end, end, when all things are finished according to God's plan, we'll all be resurrected like Christ, without death or suffering, and every tear will be wiped away. But in this life, it's possible um, that He might simply be with us in the suffering for His own mysterious reasons. Um, I'm just going to read. Oh. There's one other thing, a practical thing that I found interestingly helpful. Um, my current spiritual director, as you notice, I'm just telling you what they tell me. So none of this is my stuff anyway. Um, but welcome to how the church works. Um, it's all from Jesus. Um, sometimes, Sometimes our temptation with anxiety is to think about it or to think it through. And to say, to, to you know, the wheels start spinning and, like, uh, we can get along a thought pattern about how to either fix it or why it's so bad or um, what's causing it. And we can think ourselves into the ground. I happen to tend to do that. I think about things. Um, he told me once, my speech director, um, if we're in a place that or we're, we're in a situation where we just kind of are un- um, What's the word? Maybe we can't, we're anxious. Maybe it's the word. And, uh, (laughs) which is what this talk is about. Um, and, and nothing seems to help. And we come to, to Christ, um, to not think about it, but to actually focus on where it is physically. Like when I get anxious, it's like right here. Some people feel it in their back. Um, I don't know where you feel it. You can keep that to yourself, but, um, but to focus on, on the physical sensation of the tenseness and simply to consciously invite God to heal that. To not think about how he's going to do it and to not worry about whether or not you feel differently after you, after you, you invite him. Um, but to, that is being before him vulnerable and needy. Focus both on him That's the main thing and on, on your wound or on your, um, on the thing that needs healing and, um, you know, to just be there for a few minutes. And I've, I've found that, um, I've never had full disclosure. I've never had a moment where it just goes away. I know other people have. So that's a possibility that, that if you stay there, that God can just, um, directly act. Um, that's never happened to me, but I have noticed that like almost surprisingly, a few days later, like whatever was this huge main event in my life that I couldn't like was then somehow kind of disappeared. I think God works with me that way um, because, um, he knows it's better for me that he's not dramatic. Uh, and that if he was dramatic, it actually would cause me all other kinds of problems that I don't need in my spiritual life. Um, but I have noticed that he, um, that I asked him to take it away, and then later I, it was gone. Um, without really my like, exterior circumstances changing much. So that could be a, um, a tip, the physical place, or if there's a specific person that is causing you anxiety, to just be anxious towards that person with God. Like prayer is all about being who you are already with God so that he can make you who he wants to be. And it's not about trying to become who you think he wants you to be so that he's like going to, you know, give you a thumbs up and let you in. That's not how it works. It's always the other way. God, I'm this way. And you are God. So I'm just going to read, um, I'll read, uh, a passage from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians that you probably know and then we'll have some 10 minutes of quiet time and then we'll pray the chaplet Rejoice in the Lord always Again, I will say rejoice Let all men know your forbearance The Lord is near Have no anxiety about anything But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.